Welcome back to another episode of the Recovery Chronicles. Uh, This is episode nine. Definitely join us next week as there's going to be a special episode for number 10, or at least that's what I have planned at this time. But before we get there, this episode is about communication. And communication can be hard. Good communication can be hard. It can be difficult. And it can be something for some people like myself that I need to work at and get better at. Um, If you don't have good communication in your relationships, whether it's romantic relationships or family and friends, sometimes those relationships might not be as strong as you think. So I discussed this with Bobby from California and Mandy from Alabama. So I'm going to turn it over to them and let them tell you all about how they try and handle communication in their relationships. Welcome back. Today I am joined by Bobby in California. How are you doing today, Bobby? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, Rick. Great to be here. Awesome. And what, um, what's the weather out there in California today, Bobby? It's really kind of cold right now. I think it's like 53. Oh, cold and 53. Yeah. Okay, great. Got it. Uh, <laughs> and then I've also got Mandy from Alabama. How are you doing, Mandy? Hey, y'all. Doing great over in Alabama. It's raining and you can wear shorts, so we're not complaining, but we'd like to see the sun, that's for sure. You could wear shorts outside? Yes, sir. All right, so you're not going to claim that that's cold? No, it's not cold here. I'm from Canada. Uh, It is not cold here. (laughs) That's true. That's true. You probably never think it's cold there. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what we are are going to talk about today is something that... um, our topic today is something that I know many people, including myself, struggle with. And, um, you know, we, we got together and we thought today would be a great day to talk about communication and how communication affects us in recovery. So um, what the, the first question I just want to, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it a question, but the one thing that I just want to say about myself is that I'm terrible at this. I am terrible at communication. You might think that because I host a podcast and because I'm so easy to talk to that I must be great at communication, but I am great at surface level communication. I am great on asking you if you're okay, how much fun you had, uh, what did you do last night? I am great at that stuff. I am not very good at talking about my feelings or your feelings unless you are in recovery because I feel like we already have that bond. So how are you guys when it comes to recover or recovery? What, how are you guys when it comes to communication? Would you consider yourself good at it? And we'll go with Mandy first. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, I'm thinking, well, as you were talking, I was thinking conversations versus communication. Not that there's a versus because conversations is a type of communication. So like me, I'm very friendly. I can talk to anybody, but you know, if you're trying to get a message across, that's kind of what communication is. So I have a hard time with communication. If I have to have hard conversations with people, uncomfortable conversations, 
So conversations I don't want to have, you know, like, and I mean, there's a lot of those every day as a parent, you know, I don't want to have to have the conversations to discipline my kids, but I do it because that's what I have to do. But, you know, if you're having an awkward conversation about someone who has a habit that you don't like or something they're doing that's, you know, bothering you, or if something has happened that's, you know, put a rift in your, in your relationship, be it friendship, family member, whatever, um, I, I avoid, I'm an avoider. I mean, that's a, that's an ACA trait, adult children of alcoholics. Um, it's a big trait, just avoiding those conversations. So, and as a child, not being able to have a voice, I was taught don't talk, you know, don't trust, don't tell, don't tell our dirty secrets. So no communication whatsoever, make up those stories, right. To make everyone think that our family's perfect and there's no problems. So my communication I've definitely improved since recovery. Um, I'm still working on it though, constantly, because everybody has a different way of communicating. I was just talking to a recovery friend this morning and she's having difficulty getting uh, with a relationship she's in. And I said, well, it looks to me like that person communicates differently than you do. So you might have to have a conversation on what communication works best for you together. And I mean, I don't even, you know, think about uh, how that would work but you have to compensate with people I guess or learn how what works best for them tell them communicate to them what works best for you to have those conversations right but it's also not like you like how you said like I don't even know how that would happen but like that again it's not easy and it it does it takes a lot of work Um, what about you Bobby how are you with um communication do you think you're good at it okay well i have a squirrel brain and those that know me know so sometimes it's very difficult i feel like um my brain goes all over the place so it depends on when i'm trying to have that conversation so now i i feel like there's some tools i have learned that if i am tired i'm probably um not the best person to have a conversation with or if it's early in the morning when I'm all fired up and I got a good night's sleep because then it's just like, not just one squirrel, there's three squirrels running around in there. But then I'm, I'm listening to you guys. And I think I say, I hear you guys saying that, you know, that it's hard for you to communicate. And and for those that are listening, the three of us are very, very good friends. And my go-to people is Rick and Mandy for a lot of things. And these two are so calming and, and have, to me, the greatest communication skills, and they get to the point, you know, and they've, they've taught me to get to the point. And so I think you guys have fantastic communication skills. Where Now I'm re-looking at myself and thinking I have tools of knowing when I should not have a conversation. And I know when it's n- not for me to say or comment and I'm not afraid to have a conversation. So people can talk to me about anything in the universe. And you guys know I've been through quite a bit. And I, I'm, I don't say, up, 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 up. I can't have that conversation. It's, I'm, you know, because it, I'm not uncomfortable hearing different things like sexual assault, domestic violence, you know, mm-hmm. alcoholism, whatever the case may be. I'm not uncomfortable because um, those are things that we need to talk about. We need someone to talk about it with. So I'm not uncomfortable having conversations and I am an outgoing spirit, but I've had to use tools and I'm still working on those tools of when not to have a conversation simply because I don't think the response is going to be what someone needs because I'm not in the good 
healthy mindset. And then I'm going to well, pass. Well, and, and, and I, I love that. And I appreciate you saying um, what you did about, you know, Mandy and I. And, and you know, like I said, it's not necessarily um, people inside the rooms. I don't know why. I, I can talk to you guys about anything. I can talk to another alcoholic about anything. Anybody that's in recovery, I can talk to about anything. But it becomes very difficult when um, when I need to talk to somebody who doesn't um, have the same I don't know, afflictions or the same brain and they don't think the same way that we do. I have a really difficult time even even wanting to have conversations with, with those people. And, and it's 100% affected me. But I love the fact that you, you know, come to me, Bobby, and, and I'm sure Mandy feels the same way. Um, when I was doing research for uh, for this podcast, one of the things that I found was that a lot of communication starts with self-talk. So I'm going to start with you on this one, Bobby. How do you feel your self-talk or your self-communication is between you and your own self in your own head? Um, that's a really great question. And um, you know what? It goes, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's a roller coaster ride because it can start off very negative, very ugly, many days. And then I have to put God into it and say, and, and see, and, and, and you have to recognize that you're being so hard. Like I I'm beat, beat myself up about my weight, about relationships, about um, I'm not smart enough. And then I think, wait a minute, but I am who I am. And God made me this way. So why am I disrespecting my higher power, which is God, by putting myself down? And so I have to use those tools all the time of reminding myself who made me. And I feel, and, and that is something that I gain from recovery because I know a lot of people think what they think, but recovery is a very spiritual program and my higher power is, is God. And so, and that is where I I've gotten these tools of he made me. I appreciate, I appreciate everything that I'm looking at that, sunset sunrises why can't i appreciate me he made me the way i am so that so that communication so usually by the end of the little conversation i'll have with myself it seems to be kinder that's kinder. good that, that that is real good and i like how you bring in your higher power who you know you choose to, to call god i love how you know you you bring him into it to kind of um, calm you down and get you back on the right path and, and the right uh, self-talk. What about you, Mandy? How's, how, how are you with self-talk and, and self-communication? I like that you asked Bobby this question first because I knew she would bring higher power into it. Um, and that is a connection that I struggle with. So my self-talk is a constant <clears throat> battle, a constant uh part of me that I have to maintain and work on. And Bobby mentioned the roller coaster and it's so true. You know, I can wake up today and, you know, she even said to me this morning when we were FaceTiming, I wish you could see yourself on Saturday morning on a Friday because Friday you're so, you know, chewed up by the end of the week. And on Saturday morning, you wake up with a sparkle in your eye, you know, cause I got to sleep in, I didn't have to rush in the morning. It's, you know, my, my day of less responsibilities. And I think my self-talk stems back to childhood. You know, my childhood growing up in an alcohol home, 
and having to face a lot of trauma in my in uh, you know with molestation and sexual abuse and verbal abuse and then marrying an alcoholic you know so I'm aware and that's what I like about recovery it just makes me more aware and when it comes up I'm like oh I'm doing it again I can I can recognize those bad habits and turn it around because it's this thinking thinking you know, and that's a lot of addictions is to quiet that inner critic, that quiet, that voice that's telling me I'm no good and telling me I'm not a good parent and I have bad habits and I'm not going to complete my tasks. And, you know, I don't have time to self-care because I have to work and I have to do my all my responsibilities and I can't get the balance. And I know a lot of I feel and see in other people in recovery that they have a strong connection with their higher power and it keeps them. That's the thing they wake up with. That's the thing that they, that is the, the power that keeps them going. And I admire that. I really do because I don't wake up with that in my head right away. I wake up with, okay, what, what are my tasks today? And I'm trying to turn that around, you know, like even like this year, I'm, I'm stepping back from other areas of my recovery so I can work on that self-talk a lot more because I recognize that's an area I really need to work on. Communication with myself because I've had to learn to trust myself and love myself again, which those have been hard and have taken a long time. And I'm finally getting there a little more each day. So, you know, today's a good day. I love myself. So... <laughs> Tomorrow might be different. Maybe in five hours it might be different. I don't know. But I'll deal with it because I have the tools and I have you guys. So thanks. And that's awesome. Right. Um, I, oh, Wait, I just wanted think? to add something because yeah, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing Mandy and I think you and I um, are the same. So Mandy is Mandy and I are very good friends. She has three children. Three children. I wake and wake up. I can wake up in the morning. It's probably why I'm selfish. And I really don't want to wake up with anyone. Because I take that hour, even this morning, I had to get up at three. I take that extra 45 minutes to myself to get into me, to get into a healthy mindset, to try to pray, put out reading. And I'm sure you can do the same with every activity you in the morning. But I don't know if I could with three children saying I'm hungry two minutes after I wake up. So I think it's really important that. You know, when we're sharing all these, you know, our experience, strength, and hope, the different views from some that have kids in the morning, what do we do different? What can we do different? Because we need that time to ourselves to give ourselves that good talk in the morning of, you know what, good morning. Thank you, higher power, for waking me up. You know, how can you do that when you're no more out of bed? You're not even out of bed and you have a child saying, I'm hungry. I need this. I need, I need, I need. Where is my, I need me time? So I admire Mandy for just all she does. I really do because I don't really truly, I don't know if I could with three small kids. Thank I would have to me. practice a lot of tools. I would Thank have you. to have a lot of tools <laughs> or get up in the middle of the night versus 3 a.m. <laughs> right. So, so I, I have to agree with you, Bobby. So um, I am a single guy whose daughter has, you know, moved out and, and has her own place. So I can, um, take all the time in the world that I need in the morning as well to get straight. And I will admit, like I wake up, I would probably say the first four or five hours of my day are my happiest hours of the day. Like things only go downhill in a lot of ways for me. Um, but I do, I wake up very happy. I usually wake up, you know, 
I just think that, you know, who knows what in the world this day is going to bring, you know? So I wake up, you know, basically in a good mood every day. And that right in itself, like Bobby, like you were saying, you don't even know if you could wake up next to somebody else. Like, I don't know either. And not because I think that it would affect me, but I kind of would almost feel bad for somebody who like, I remember when my daughter would be here and it would drive her nuts at how happy I am in the morning. Like it would drive her batty. Like she would just look at me and she'd go, dad, not now you know, <laughs> all the time. Um, so I wonder what that would be like. And, and when I was in previous relationships with, you know, my, my last, you know, my last marriage, my last relationship, when we, you know, I would wake up way before the other person so I could get kind of some of that stuff out and I would have that quiet time, you know, and I would do everything I can to, to not disturb. But when it comes to me, you know, again, I'm also doing things necessary so that way I'm not needed in those situations right away. So again, another little kudos to Mandy, because I don't know how you do it. I don't know what I would do to be in your situation. Sometimes just with my dog, I will go to the bathroom and my dog will think it's time to go out. And I go, not now and go right back to bed. So I would just imagine what I would do if I had a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old or whatever coming at me being like, I want lucky charms. I'd be like, figure out a way to get them yourself. Well, you want to trade anytime. I'm up for a trade. <laughs> uh, so, um, so for me on, on that last question, the, 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 kind of self-talk and, and all that stuff. I know that for me, I'm really bad at it. Um, I, and I, and, and it goes to what Mandy was saying. I think that growing up in an alcoholic household, um, the alcoholic you, you, for me, I don't want to talk about anybody else. I, I always try and keep it to me. Right. For me, I know that if, I did everything perfectly the way he wanted them done, whether my dad or my stepdad, I wasn't going to get yelled at. Right. So every time I did get yelled at, I was getting yelled at because I wasn't good enough. So that has been just ingrained into my brain that I'm not good enough. And there are so many people. And I love how people tell me all the time about how great they think I am. That's awesome. I love it. And people, please keep telling me, anybody listening to this, please keep telling me that because I need to hear it because in between my two ears, that's not what's going on because there's been so many years of built in, you're not good enough mm -hmm. that just the last few years of being like, no, you are, hasn't, you know, fully taken effect. Now, does that mean that I walk around miserable all day thinking I'm not good enough? No, you guys know me. I'm a pretty happy yeah, guy. Yeah. I walk around like the world is great. But there are many times where in my head, you know, somebody says, wow, you just ran that distance in your own record time. And I go, yeah, but if it wasn't for that one little part where this guy got in front of me, I could have been even faster. You know, like there's always something that... um that creeps into my brain, no matter what people say. So that self-talk is something that I am definitely working on, but it is, it is, it's, it's probably always going to be there in one way or another. But, and, and I can say that maybe some of that also is what keeps me humble. Um, do you guys have anything certain, like in your self-talk that 
um, that you say to yourself, like every day, like if negative self-talk comes into your brain that you're always constantly trying to, to get out of, um, to get that out of your brain by saying a certain thing to you, like, like how Bobby talked about our higher power. Do you, do you have anything certain that you say to yourself daily, Mandy, to get yourself out of some negative self-talk? I don't, but I know I need to, you know, I have lots of tools and all the, um, the intention is there. I have very good intentions. And a lot of times I, my ideas do, you know, go through and I do actually do them. But the self-talk is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to listen to like more positive podcasts in the morning. I'm changing my routine. So that's what I'm, I'm just trying new things because having something to say every day, it doesn't seem to work for me. Cause I just, you know, a lot of people have different methods and I'm always welcome, welcome everyone to share how they you know, conquer over that negative self-talk. I listen to like meditations. I do a lot of different things because I'm not sure what's going to work for me. And how about you, Bobby, when it comes to like, when you're in a funk and you're thinking those negative thoughts, what are the things that you like to do to kind of get yourself out of those thoughts? You know, I really love this question, Rick. I'm going to tell you, because I think if you'd asked me that question seven years ago, I just felt like my life was doomed. I was just uh, this I was put in this earth to be abused, and um, there was there was no there was no sparkle in my eyes. Today, I, I have so many tools. I remember, and my faith goes everywhere with me, everywhere. So I would try to remember that God doesn't make junk. So, and, and the type of job that I do, and those that don't know, I I'm a bus driver for special needs kids. I am so fortunate and so blessed to be in this job because when I get in my little pity pot about poor me I have kids on my bus that have reason they could be angry at the world because you know their legs don't work or they have some disability and they're laughing they're full of joy and so that rear view the, the window on our vehicles are biggest for a reason so we can see in front of us but for me the rear view mirror on my bus shows me how to have faith and how to be happy, joyous, and free without um, without questioning why. So I have this little girl on my bus and she doesn't, um, she doesn't walk. And again, she could be so mad at the world because of her situation. And, and she's like a little bucket of sunshine every morning. She's always laughing, happy. And so my job also is one of my tools because I look at those kids and they give me hope. And they like remind me, how can you actually be so wah, wah, wah about yourself? You have two feet, you have two hands, you obviously have a big mouth, you know, all the tools, you have everything going for you, you have a roof over your head, shoes on my feet. So um, I, it helps me minimize the ugly voice in my head and helps me come back to be on, you know, that I'm here to serve. It doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter where I live. It's what matters is what's in my heart. And every day I pray for a better, a good heart so that I can help others. And by helping others, we help ourselves. So with that, I'm going to pass. So I think that that's a great segue into another question that I, that I was going to have, because you touched on a lot about what, um, what your self-talk was like in the past versus what it's like now. Um, Mandy, what, how has your self-talk changed from before you came into the rooms of recovery to now? 
while I was definitely living in misery with my self-talk before, now I'm much happier. Um, I love myself more. I didn't realize how much I didn't like or love myself until I came into recovery. Like I really, it was so hard. I was working through the ACA steps. They were so hard to work through. I mean, they were just, they were painful. They were easy to work through. They were just very painful, the stuff that came out. And I really, there was one question. I can't remember what step it was. And it was all about self-love and to write out and to share with other people that I wanted to love myself and I knew I was worthy of love and all these things that I realized I was bawling my eyes out sharing this because it was just such a self-realization of how much I've listened to everybody else because I looked for everybody else to make my value of my being whereas I only should have looked at myself and loved myself and for who I you know was put on this earth to be like as as Bobby said God doesn't make junk so I needed to reestablish that with myself and believe that myself because everyone else has made me believe I was junk so communication was broken between me and myself <laughs> but now in recovery I have open communication with myself and I love myself and I'm learning so much about and I'm learning to trust myself again not that I trusted myself before or anybody else, but. <laughs> right. So for me, and, and I love how you brought it into to the steps. Um, the first time I went through the, the steps, I uh, the steps of the program, I did what I thought I needed to do. And it's what I, and it was what I needed to do to get myself sober. Right. But then at about the 10 year mark, um, I, my sponsor had moved away and I went a few years without technically having a sponsor because I thought I'd had a few 24 hours under my belt. So I didn't need one. Um, yeah. Don't ever do that. If, uh, if you ever think you don't need a sponsor, that's uh, you're, you're wrong. Bad idea. Um, <laughs> right. It is a very bad idea. Um, but then I did, I, I kind of saw myself going in, you know, a bad direction. So I was like, you know what, this guy seems like a good, you know, person let me let me you know ask him to be my my current sponsor so um we went through the steps again and when we went through the steps a second time i was able to really drill down deep on one relationship that is in my life and now when i tell you this like this relationship i would give my life for this person and they would give their life for me i know that we love each other we are family we love each other no questions asked but we've always had a strained relationship and i really think figuring that out has helped me turn a little bit of a corner with every like this one relationship helped me turn things around everywhere else. Um, was there any loved ones in your life, Bobby, that, that you needed to uncover a certain, I don't know, a, a, a certain boundary or, or a certain, there was, there was just something there with a loved one that, that there was something underneath that you needed to uncover that the program helped you uncover. Mm. That's a really great question too, Rick. Mm -hmm. You're on a roll today. 
you know, <laughs> I got the good ones. You you do. So I mean, I'm gonna tell everyone I'm almost fifty eight years old. And um at at fifty, I think I realized that I'm really not this piece of shit that um I deserve an unhappy life. Didn't mean I I I took care of it right away. Didn't mean like I said, okay, this relationship done, this done, this done. I didn't do that, but I just knew like just something. It felt like a punch in the gut, and I guess that would be what we would say a higher power moment. You know, I just looked at something that was happening at that moment and said, I just can't do this no more, right? And so I could name a whole list of things that have changed my life. I heard him. I read a meme the other day. It said, temporary people may just be temporary in here for a short time, but they come with life's greatest lessons. So for me, I could say that the longest relationship I've had is almost 30 years. And I don't know if I grew so much in that 30 years as I grew in the four years since he's been gone. Right. Mm. And then, you know, the relationship before that, you know, it's just so all of it. All of it, even, you know, and you both know that I was seeing someone for like, I don't know, maybe three months or something like that. And so I thought, wow, this is it. But then I realized this person has a perfect house, perfect job, perfect income, um, looks perfect. But guess what? He's so empty, so empty. And first thing he'll say to you is, look how perfect my art is. Look how perfect, the most perfect. And I thought to myself, and that way should have been a red flag. Because you remember how we were before program. You have to see how perfect my life is because then you won't see who I really am. Because yes. inside is damaged, so damaged and so broken. Who the fuck is ever going to want it, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't see it. I, I heard it when he said it, but I didn't really feel it. And I think I shared this with Mandy last night that, you know, is it possibility that person's an alcoholic? Probably so. It's not really my job to tell him that. That's his job. But he's very empty, very numb. Why, why would I want to be with someone like that? And today I can say it's probably a very unhealthy, toxic relationship. He didn't put his hands on me. He never said anything mean to me. But you know what? He's just not healthy with himself. And I need someone who's going where I'm going with a higher power and a love for, the, you know, for all the gifts God gives us. And so if I don't see that in myself, I can't keep giving it away to someone else. You know, so every single person has shown me my mom was a rageaholic. Today, I pray that I don't lose my shit like my mom used to. Mm. My dad was an alcoholic, but my dad had this spiritual side that was so beautiful and so amazing. So every person in our lives, you, Rick, have taught me to step back, take a breath and think before I, I do something. And you, Mandy, you're the same way. Every single person in our life is like a grain of sand. You can't just have one grain of sand to make that beach. You need a whole couple truckloads. So I can't narrow it down to one person because without every single person in my path, I wouldn't be who I am today. And today I'm a person who's... um. Not a bad person. A lot of room for improvement. I still make mistakes daily, but I don't don't claim to be the queen of stinking thinking anymore. And I used to be that person. I used to, I used to joke, who does that? I am the queen of stinking thinking. I mean, what type of title is that to give yourself? Right. 
And today I'm like, I'm the queen of anti-negative thinking. You know, I just, I don't want to go there. I try not to go there, you know. And then I even have that little meme that I made. It's a little skunk. And it says, no stinking thinking today. So I try. I just, that's all you can do is try and pray. Try and pray. What else can you do? I agree. So with that, so, I'm going to pass. What, what about you, Mandy? Was there, when you were going through the, the program, was there anything that unlocked to you, any certain relationship in your life that unlocked to you that you went, wow, I need to work better with that one? Like, I, I didn't realize how that relationship was affecting me. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, definitely the relationship with myself was number one. But I mean, what brought me into ACA was my relationship with my mom. Because as Bobby even said, you know, as Bobby was talking, I'm like, yeah, my mom was a rageaholic. Yeah, my dad was a beautiful spiritual alcoholic. It's like, okay, we're sisters separated, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, the sad thing I had, the bittersweet thing I have going through the ACA program was that my mom's not here. She's been gone for 20 years. So, you know, bless her soul and wherever she is. And hopefully she's up there holding my angel baby. You know, that's the thought that I like to have, but I would have, it would have been also, it's kind of bittersweet because I'm like kind of glad she's not here because I don't know if I could have enforced boundaries with this lady. It would have been such a challenge, you know, <laughs> but as an adult, I would have loved to share this program with her because she was untreated ACA. She was untreated Al-Anon, uh, grew up with an alcoholic father. We were surrounded by alcoholics, all our grandparents and great grandparents and uncles and great uncles. All the men were drinkers and the women cooked and fed them as they drank. And that's how I grew up. So <laughs> it would have been great to have a good communication with my mom. Cause I didn't, we didn't have good communication. It was very broken and very muddled and, not balanced. It was a roller coaster of every kind of feeling, good and bad, that you could imagine. And it just would have been nice to have that loving, balanced relationship with her. I would have been so open and willing to finally, you know, share it with her. Who knows if she would have balked at it? I don't know. I think she would have been open because she changed as she grew older too and changed That's things good. in her life. I think. I relate to her. We're both very stubborn, but we didn't know we had choices. And it, later on in life, she she realized she had choices. And then I realized that I have choices. I don't have to go with, you know, who I'm with or who I'm married to or who I'm living with. Or, you know, I can make choices for myself and not everyone has to agree with them. So it's right. taking my power back. And uh, I would have liked to do that with my mom. But hey, I can still kind of do it with myself and, and, and learn from that relationship have a better relationship with my kids and i'll pass on that that that's awesome i i love that and i would say um and it's always even and, and this one's not it, this is how i kind of know that my relationship with um my father didn't affect me as much as other relationships did is because even when i was an alcoholic i never let um, I, I always knew that I wanted the opposite relationship that I had with that, you know, with my daughter that my dad had with us. Like he, he really let his alcoholism affect, um, you know, how he was a father. But I will say, you know, she was still very young when I came into recovery. And so she doesn't even remember um, a lot of the, the drinking times and, and, you know, hopefully she comes on here soon and we get to talk about some mm -hmm. of that stuff. But mm -hmm. um but because I do want to know, like, you know, we, we've only really talked surface level stuff about it. So I think it'd be nice to, to have her on. Um, 
but there are other people in our lives, um, you know, and, and this is where we're really going to get to some, some good stuff here. I think what about in loving type relationships, spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, like what is your communication like with them? So just a quick five second story for me. I have three main, as of, as of today, I've had three main uh, relationships. I've had my kid's mom, my ex-wife and my last girlfriend. I bet you if any of those three listen to this podcast, they've learned more about me from that, from this (laughs) than they did from us talking. So, and that's on me. That's not on them. It's not up to them to pull this stuff out. I have to be open to communicate. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just never did because I just, I don't know. It's something that I know I have to work on and I'm going to bet to do better next time. Right. But what is the, the close family, kids, spouses, relationship, communication like for you? And I'm going to start with Bobby first on this one. Bobby, are you there? I'm here. I'm laughing. Okay. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's very nice of you to pick me first. Uh, <laughs> Rick, I could say right back to you in the studio, Rick, but okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> and I know they know. Okay, those are listening. Okay, we it, it's kind of an inside thing because Rick and I have this little conversation every now and then. So I suck at relationships. That's the <laughs> Okay, so the but I suck because I don't okay, I don't really I don't know if I suck anymore. Okay, I was a wife. First I was my I was married twice. The first marriage he was just horrible. And I knew he was horrible and my mother told me to marry him. I married him so you know, lesson number one, don't get married unless you want to. <laughs> number two, but I don't regret him because I have my beautiful child from him. Number two is um, was a lot of roller coasters, but if it wasn't for him, I would have never found recovery because I was trying to save him and what my higher power knew I really needed was to save myself. So that got the ball rolling. So I'm extremely grateful, but I still wasn't really good at relationships. I was just getting started when he passed away. So then not only was I learning about relationships, communications, but I also had to learn about grieving. And so I haven't really had a long relationship. Um, he passed four years ago almost. I haven't really had, but I've had really good, I think, I mean, I've had a couple little things happen, you know, a couple, whatever you want to call them. But I learned something from them. I learned, one, I don't need a caretaker. Two, I definitely, I, I have an open, beautiful heart, and I'm caring but I can't caretake either. I can't save someone from the bottle or from whatever. It's, that's not my job. And that's not what a relationship is. But I have learned, even though I'm not seeing that person, I can still remain friends with them. And that, to me, is something I've never done. And I'm 58 years old. So I've learned that. And most recently is it's okay to be vulnerable in a relationship. I don't have to be the rock. And this is something that's, um, I know, will be another episode and I'll let you know. But um, communications has really been awesome. You know, friendship, super awesome. And 
Um, you know, I think the greatest relationship I think I've actually finally succeeded at was being a mom. If we're really going to be honest, one that I'm so excited and so grateful for is I have two boys and my, my niece, which is like my daughter, and I feel like I am the best mom today, way better than when my kids were little. Um, my oldest one is about ready to have a son, I mean, to have a daughter, and all I can think of myself is my son trusts me. He's excited for me to be in his daughter's life. And all I keep telling him is, thank you for the opportunity to be a better mom to you today. So a lot of, I am not selfish anymore when it comes to my, my circle of family. Um, I have this caring heart and I'm so grateful every day to learn to put someone else before my needs. Good. That I'm gonna pass. Thank you, Bobby. All right, Mandy. How about you in romantic type relationships or even relationships like with your close family? When I'm talking brothers, sisters, moms, dads, and your kids, how is your, how is your communication like now? Okay. Well, now I'm <clears throat> stop crying because of Bobby share. I love you, Bobby. You're, you're an awesome mom and an awesome person. So had me in tears there, girl. I love you. You know, it's it, a couple one of my siblings, I'm super close with and we could talk about all this stuff. She's not in recovery, but she's very open to the ideas of and since Bobby and I started our podcast, she's really been, you know, loving all the material that gets shared and loves all the different uh, topics that are discussed and things that are brought up that she is not aware of because she's not in the recovery world. She doesn't have recovery friends around her. And, you know, my other two siblings, it's hard because you know, bringing up sore things like people's deaths and things, bad things that have happened. You kind of want to, don't really want to talk about it. And I can understand that because I didn't talk about it for years, but as we know, sharing is healing, right? We have to share to show others that they can, they can make it as well. We have to share. This is what communication is about, right? Sharing our experience, strength, and hope. So others know that they can get through these things. I don't push it. You know, my dad is an alcoholic, so you know, we openly talk about a lot of things and I can see his side because I love going to my open AA meetings and he loves giving me his perspective. I can give my open and honest perspective and people that are would listen to our conversation might think we're being mean to each other, but we're just being honest. We're not being mean or hateful. We're saying, I don't like it when you do this. And now I understand how I hurt you this way. And it's, it's communication. My dad is like my best friend and he's been my, he was my first alcoholic. And well, our communication is probably the best communication I've ever had with anyone in my life until now that I have a recovery family and tribe and have open a good loving relationship with myself with my kids oh my gosh before recovery you know I was very I was a rageaholic just like my mom you know and because I didn't know I was just surviving basically survival mode <laughs> creates a lot of bad habits um, so I was, you know, making poor decisions. I had bad self-esteem, uh, self-confidence in myself and I had anxiety and panic attacks. And like, that's no healthy way to be a parent. So now I can say I've overcome all of that stuff. I do not have panic attacks. Yes, I have anxiety, but I work on it. Yes, I still have a hard time making decisions, but I involve my kids. I see where the gaps were in my childhood, what I missed out on. 
not blaming my parents, just they didn't know better or, you know, they didn't have recovery. Now that I have all these tools and I can learn from other people, I can apply all these tools and be the better parent that I wanted as a child too. So communication with my kids has really improved. Um, and then friends, yeah, it's sad though. I was talking to a recovery friend the other day. My my real life people, friends, tribe is very small. My village is very small. Um, most of my true, honest, loving relationships are online, faraway people that I've never even met. You guys, like us. You know, exactly. I get the most out of my relationships that are through online, though. I'm telling you. Because I can recognize good relationship stuff now, the green flags, and get rid of the red flags, right? There's so many red flaggers out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on here again. Well, thank you again. Um, so for me, um, I know that it's communication in relationships. I know is something that um, I have to do a better job with. And I've known it for a little while now, even in recovery, I wasn't the best. And listen, I'm not going to blame this because again, I have no one to blame but myself. Um, but I do believe that I, we live in maybe the last generation of men aren't supposed to have problems and men aren't supposed to be emotional. Like I'm supposed to just eat crap and deal with it. Like that's the way I was brought up. Right. Like I'm not supposed to talk to anybody about how I feel. I'm not supposed to tell people what my emotions are right now. I do love that, you know, gen the millennials and gen X and stuff. will talk about it. I think it's going to serve them so much better. But it's taking me 40 some odd years to realize that I have to start opening up more. And then on top of that, I have stuff to say that will help other people, you know. So, so listen, I, I at least in this program, what it does for me is it helps me realize the dark spots, the, the blackout spots that I have in my own life, my own personality that I can sit there and go, okay, so this is something you're bad at, Rick. What do you need to do to fix it? So that way I can be better for the next person. Like I already know to this day, whenever that next romantic relationship comes, I'm going to be better just off of the fact that I've already started to work on it. I'm not there yet. But I will. And I will be uh, when it comes to my daughter. I don't know why. Grace of God. I've never had a problem talking to her and having her tell me. Um, tell me things, you know, like she is she does seem to be the one person on this planet that whenever she has an issue, she can come to me and I am there listening as to where in the past, maybe I wasn't even in, in, in here in a little bit. Next round of questions, I'm going to tell you guys a little story about something that recently happened and how I, you know, overcame it. But still, like, like my, my communication with my daughter is the only communication I feel like I've had that's been really good in my life. And I need to do about, be, again, besides recovery people, besides you guys, you know, besides people in the rooms, like for whatever reason... I can always talk to you guys. I can always just get emotional and get down and dirty if I need to, you know, to really get to the root of problems. But 
when it comes to outside of the rooms, the only person I really feel like I had good communication with throughout my life has been my daughter. But again, that's a blessing. And, and thank God that she's there. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the last question that I had um, for you guys is, would you say that you are better at communication today than you were before recovery and why and it's been a little while i feel like it's been a little while since we heard from you bobby so you're going to go first on this one too hey i love this question too rick i really love today's podcast i really do um you know i i think i'm gonna go off to- off topic just a sec is every i think today's podcast reminds me that everything happens in in god's universe for a reason and so we all know how this all started right and it's unfortunate in some areas, but in some areas, it's just so such a blessing, you know. And this question, like, so our, before I didn't talk, I yelled. I was the rageaholic. I was my mother. I was the belittler, like my mother. My mother spent most of my childhood belittling me, and I became that person. I didn't need a drink or anything else to be an ugly bitch. It just came naturally. And then I could put on the actor's face and be whoever people wanted me to be at the moment to get what I wanted. So there's actor and self-centered. And today, I just want to be genuine. I don't care if you like where I live. I, I don't need to impress you. I don't care if you like the shoes I'm wearing. I don't care. I don't need to impress you. And, um, you know, I try to pull my hair and brush my teeth just because I try to be considerate like that because I think bad breath is awful. But other than that, you know... Um, it doesn't matter to me because in my heart, I, I'm a good person. So if I'm speaking from my heart, I know my communication is so much better because it's very real. It's very real because God uses my heart and my lips to communicate the message that needs to be needed. And if I don't communicate it the way he wanted me to communicate it, he helps me through either a reading, like it's so weird if I'm having one of those, you know, conversations with someone and I feel like, mm, that didn't feel right. I might open up a reading and I'm like, oh God, that was a pretty fast response of how I just said something not kind. And so I really, really try. Am I perfect at it? Oh, perfect is for the people in the room down the hall. I'm not that person. I wish I was, but I'm not perfect. I don't want to be perfect, actually. So... My communication is far better than before I came into these rooms because my heart is filled with more love. And um, I use, God uses my lips to communicate. So probably not too much bad stuff comes out of my lips. And if I do, then I've, I've learned the communication skill of making an amends. And with that, mm-hmm. I'm going to pass. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you, Bobby. How about you, Mandy? Same question. I would say before uh, I came into recovery because my life was so unmanageable. My communication skills were, you know, very bad because my life was so unmanageable. I had no control. I had no control. And so I came into recovery. I got my power back. I realized I have choices and I want to communicate better with everybody in my life because I didn't have good communication growing up. I didn't learn good communication, not from everybody, from some people. Yes, but not everybody. I want to communicate with my kids, but it's a balance there. I don't want to over communicate. Right. But there's no excuse. There's so many different ways to communicate. You know, there's so many different ways. It's amazing. So 
start with the easiest way. You know, if you can only text, then start a text. If you can only want to email, then just email. But communicate with people. We have to be, we can't just hide. We can't just hide ourselves and hide everything. That's damaging. We need to be open and honest. And I make amends to my kids every day, and I'm so thankful for it. And when I make, when I say a faux pas or when I make a wrong choice, I make amends to people, and I tell them you were right. And I don't feel, it doesn't feel hard to do. At first it did. It felt like, oh, I hate, I hate admitting I was wrong or, you know, but after a while, I'm like, no, because pe- we are human beings. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive other people and back and forth. So that's what I got. And uh, I just love you guys. And I love being able to communicate with you guys. Thank you. Thank you for that answer, Mandy. So I'm going to tell you guys a little story to, to finish out this question. So we, we in the program, we talk about progress, not perfection, right? We've heard both of you talk about perfection, how we're not perfect, right? So a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, uh, a buddy of mine, and again, I talked about um, how men are not supposed to talk about their feelings, right? But that, you know, we are getting better at it. I'm out hanging out with a buddy of mine, and he tells me something very personal. And I failed him. I did not know how to react. I didn't know what to say. And I absolutely 100% failed him in that moment. Um, I recognized it. And I even recognized it right away. And I knew I was failing him. But I did not. I needed time to process what he had said. And the very next time, it was just me and him. I responded the way I wish I would have responded the first time. And we had an amazing conversation about it. And we are 10 times closer now than we've ever been since having that conversation. Um, And I'm so glad that we had it. And I'm so glad that I could be there for him, not just then, but in the past uh, or, but in the future, um, but it did. It took me a second. You know, again, I, I had to fail him first before I could recognize, oh, crap, you just failed your friend. You need to fix something here. And it took time. It wasn't something I could just fix right away. It wasn't I need my brain needed to comprehend what was just said before I could communicate with him properly. But I was finally able to do so. And I think that that is progress. That's something I could do now, 15 years into this program that I definitely couldn't have done before. So it, it does, it is a, a, a good story in the end, but man, in that moment, I don't know if I had ever felt more down on myself in the recovery program than I did that first moment because I knew I was failing him and I, I just couldn't figure out how to, how to overcome it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, with that, we are approaching the hour mark and you guys know what happens at the end of these podcasts. (laughs) So it is, we're coming up. I don't know if you guys have your phones out in front of you, but we are going to come up on the top of the minute and we are going to go with our gratitude minute. And I think last time I started with Bobby. So this time I'm going to start with Mandy. So Mandy, you've got about 10 seconds to think about what you're grateful for. And then you have one minute to talk about it. Ready? So five, four, three, 
two, <laughs> one. What are you grateful for today, Mandy? 60 seconds of gratitude. I'm just, I could list everything right now. The sun is poking through. It's been raining for a week. So, oh yes, please, sun. That would be nice. Just a few little things. I'm grateful for my comfy bed that I'm sitting on and I get to sleep in every night. And every, all the kids just want to sleep in my bed. I'm like, no, it's mine. Get out. I'm, I get the comfiest bed in the house. Um, I'm grateful that I have a bunch of food out in the kitchen. So when I'm done recording here, I'm going to go and gorge myself because I'm hungry. I have my journal in front of me and I'm coloring. So I'm grateful for my, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm just, I'm grateful for the small things today. I'm grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful for you guys. I'm grateful to have a voice. I'm grateful to have the courage to have the voice to get it out there and and talk and and be that. I don't know if my 60 seconds are up yet. You're going to have to ding, ding me. So. Well, we will just ding ding you right there. All right, and then and then Bobby, you're gonna do at the uh, at the ten mark. So you've got ten, nine, eight. So you're gonna tell us here in just a couple seconds what you're grateful for. Ready? Three, two, one. So <laughs> I'm gratitude grateful. I okay. I'm really really grateful for. Um, I'm grateful that we did a podcast several months ago on men's mental health, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because I realized today and the last few weeks how those that that particular podcast helped me in like days like today. I'm so grateful for it because I have a gentler approach with men. I have a gentle approach with my sons. And um and I think today it's being a bus driver when I see the boys on my bus, um, I was thinking they had to get up this morning. Men are men. You know, they got to get up, get ready, suck it up. And I, I love that I am the gentle, loving bus driver that just tells them good morning. I'm proud of them. So I, I, I feel like I'm very grateful for that podcast. And, of course, we had a, a person on that podcast that opened my eyes to so many amazing things that helped me, I think, to get where I am today. So awesome. I know I went over 10 seconds, but that's what that's, I do. So back to me in the right. studio. That's all right. Thank you, Bobby. And then I'll do a, a quick one. Um, and I don't even know if I'll go the full 60 seconds or not. But um, so there's a couple of things that I am grateful for. And one of the big ones is I'm grateful for my daughter. And the reason why is um, last night I texted her and I said, hey, what are you doing tonight? And she didn't have any plans. And we got together and um we went and we had some fun. We went to a local barcade around here where, you know, people are drinking and all that stuff. But I go there because I want to play games because I'm just a giant kid. And uh, we had a great time. We went and played games. She kicked my butt in some ski ball. Uh, I kicked her butt in some air hockey. Uh, but we, we had a great time and it was so much fun. And then we went and got some Chipotle and then went and just kind of watched TV and hung out with her and her dogs. And it was just a great night. And then this weekend, you know, I've, I've got plans tonight with friends and it's going to be a great time. And then tomorrow is just this crazy busy day where like every minute is already spoken for. And I'm grateful for that because like in the old, like in the last podcast, isolation is bad for me. So, and that's the end of my minute. I didn't think I was going to take a whole minute, but I wound up taking hey, wait, a minute. I have a question for you, Rick. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Rick, Mandy and I would like to know, um, being that we're your cheer team for your next marathon that you're training for, when is this marathon and where can we watch it? Um, so 
I don't know if you'll be able to watch it, but it is May the 5th. Um, so for everybody else, it's Cinco de Mayo. For me, it's going to be Cinco de Rano. Um, uh, my sister, my daughter, bunch of like a bunch of people are going to be down there. Some already running uh, from my run groups that I know here, but a lot of people are, are you know keeping kind of tabs and track on me. If this if this has um, there's this thing called race joy, and if and you can hook that up and I'll tell you guys how to, how to do that. If this is a race joy race, which I think it is, I'll send you guys the link and anybody else who's listening to this, who might want it, uh, you know, I'll send you guys the link and you'll be able to, to get updates on how fast I'm going, where I'm at. Oh, that's that cool. Stuff. You'll get to know when I start, when I finish. Very you'll neat. Get a little, yeah, you'll get a little notification like, Rick just passed mile one. <laughs> you know? Love so, it. So if it's a race joy race, I'll make sure that I send that out to anybody who might be interested. Excellent. But, well, good yeah, luck. I'm, yeah, thank you. There's, you know, th- it's going to be fun. I'm already, listen, I'm, I'm only two weeks into the training, but I'm having so much fun in this training. It's not even funny. Like, I, I don't know why I shied away from doing this. I'm enjoying this. It's exactly what I needed. So it's yeah. great. We're super proud of you, Rick. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So I think we're going to go ahead and just end it right there. Thank you again for coming on. Ba- um, Bandy. I, I was going to just make your names just one and be called Bandy. Uh, Mandy <laughs> and Bobby. You guys have a great Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. And and again, uh, can't wait to have you guys on again soon. Thank you so much, Rick. Thanks, Bobby. Love Thank you. you, Rick. We love you. Thanks, Mandy. Love you. Thanks again, Mandy and Bobby. I'm so glad you were able to join me today. And I know that I definitely learned something in going over this um, podcast about communication, and I hope you all did too. Again, communication is so important, and I didn't realize that for the longest time. You know, I always felt like having just surface-level communication and being able to speak well was enough, and now I'm learning that it really isn't. So what a great podcast. What a great uh, couple of people to talk to about communication. Again, join me next week as I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope to have a special guest on next week for you. And, um, yeah, thank you again for listening. If you're still here, please hit that subscribe button, rate, review. It just kind of helps get the podcast out to the next alcoholic or addict who still suffers. Have a great week. 